Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the sustainable development goals and the roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoy today's SDG Talks podcast. The bank was requiring that every quarter there is an audit, right, for ESG aspects related on how are they getting the money to finance the project only if they are meeting those standards on environmental impact and community impact as well. So you see right now, the investment community is really more concerned about where my money is going to and what is going to be done with my money and the impact that has on the planet and the people. SDG Talks community, what's going on? In today's discussion, we're going to hear from Colin Banning, who works as a consultant for the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development. Colin's going to give us an insight into the circular economy, how one man can use trash as another man's treasure, and look into different aspects of how financial institutions are including environmental risk into how they're providing funding for projects, and then look into what really drives a successful or non-successful project when it comes to truly embodying sustainability and environmentalism within the beginning and the end of a project. And then lastly, hear about these MIT boot camps that Colin's involved with in terms of why they exist, how do organizations properly scale, why to validate users, and ultimately why to fail fast. You're going to learn a lot from Colin. And if you need a guy who's going to give you some insights within the framework of Guatemala, Colin is your man. Hope you enjoy learning and take care. Colin, welcome to the SDG Talks podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. I came. Very nice meeting you. Thank you for having me. You as well. So where are you located today? I'm located in Guatemala City, beautiful Central America. I love it. I, I've never been to Guatemala, but hope to go there once some of the, the travel restrictions lift up. Yes. How is the weather and how is a, a day in the life in Guatemala City for you? Well, I have to tell you, I love it here. You know, Guatemala is in the same latitude as Hawaii. So you can pretty much picture the weather is nice all year round. Guatemala is called the land of the eternal spring. So it's always warm and nice. A little bit of rain here and now, but uh, so far so good, you know. It's a beautiful country, a lot of opportunities to work on sustainable development. I love it. So not much snow or, or cold weather in Guatemala. Not at all. We might have some snow on the peak of the volcanoes in early January, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, in Chicago, we, we don't have that same luxury. But I, <laughs> I love the notion of the land of the eternal spring and opportunities. And when I think of Guatemala, I do think of lush forest and a lot of kind of ecotourism and things yes. of that nature. But There's I, a lot of history on the Mayan ruins and the pyramids as well. So yeah, chance to come down here, trust me, I'm going to love it. Yeah, and how does um, just kind of that, the, the history of Guatemala, I mean, and the, the geographic framework and, and that, how does, how does that tie into maybe some of the, the challenges or opportunities for some of the local and, and countrywide issues within Guatemala? Well, that's actually a very, very good question. You know, Guatemala, it's still an emerging economy. We're bordered with Mexico. Mexico is our northern neighbor. And then the rest of South America, further south. 
it has a lot of history. I was mentioning the Mayan pyramids. So one of the greatest cities of the Mayas are actually located here is Tikal. You might remember from seeing Star Wars when, you know, the rebel base is in the middle of the jungle and those pyramids are actually, that was filmed here in Guatemala. So if you're sort, somehow sort of a geek like I am, then you're going to appreciate that. But there is a lot of opportunity in sustainable development, you know, in many aspects. So if you talk about the environmental aspect, we're in the middle of the tropical rainforest. So there's a lot of conservation efforts. WWF is really working really hard into conservation on the jungle and the rivers. For Ocean is also starting a project for beach cleanup and ocean cleanup projects. At the same time that there are some local organizations that actually volunteer in, in, in an organization in Spanish is called Semillas de los, del Oceano, which in English means the seeds of the ocean, which we volunteer for beach cleanups with Corona Parley, amongst other things. But there is a lot of initiatives for clean water, biodiversity, climate change, especially leveraging climate change business opportunities because there is a lot of sugarcane plantations, coffee plantations here, palm oil, which you know has a huge environmental footprint. So we're working really hard on trying to involve private sector on sustainability projects on the environmental aspect. aspect then it's, yes, go ahead. Sorry. And, no, interesting. And, and I, I sometimes think that when I, maybe sometimes people outside of the SDG talk, we're even sometimes in, and this is not a knock at you, but I, you know, I hear, and I look at your title of the, you work within the UN Conference of Trade and Development, or people hear the, these SDG words or these, uh, these climate change business opportunities. But I'd love from your, your expertise to kind of break it down a little bit more of, you know, not just these big words from a macro global perspective, but sure. you know, what are some example, very specific grassroots examples of what kind of actions being done to specifically address things like biodiversity or, or climate change business opportunities? Sure, absolutely. I'll give you an example with a real company that I love to work a lot. And I'm pretty sure some of you are familiar with the concept of the circular economy. So which means that the trash of one people is really the treasure on someone else, right? So you can reutilize waste, transform it to create new products. That's kind of in a nutshell. I'm not an expert on circular economy, right? But these guys do a great job down here on collecting waste, classifying the waste, and obviously transforming the waste into raw material for something else, whether it's fuel, whether it's recycling glass or plastic and so on, right? So these guys have a very interesting project with the organized private sector, which is the chamber of industry, right? So you have all the biggest manufacturing companies down here, that they do produce a lot of waste on their regular day-to-day, right? So all that waste is being collected by these guys, classified, and then determine which has to go to a landfill and which can be reutilized as raw material for other productive processes, right? At the same time, this manufacturing company that's generating that waste is receiving an income from this company buying the waste from them, 
in order to use it as raw material for something else, right? So that's the whole concept of a circular economy, right? So you get to reuse or reutilize those waste, right, in order productive processes. At the same time, people is not only generating a revenue stream, but they are part of the sustainability program. When you as a company can not only make more money out of that, but you can also change your business model in order to be more efficient in your production processes and reuse a lot of the stuff you're throwing away to get more money, right? Same thing can be done in water. I'll give you another example with the sugarcane plantations. We implemented a water efficiency project maybe a, three years ago. And obviously, people were using a lot of water on the sugar production process, and that water was then being thrown away. That water may come dirty after the process, right? So they set up a water treatment plant and they're recycling the use of water from the sugarcane plantation into the facilities on their administration offices on the plantation. So they get to use the water for other purposes, right? And they're not only saving a lot of money on the water bill, but they are contributing to lessen the contaminated water that comes out of the plantation to their, obviously to the environment, right? So those initiatives really impacting sustainable development goals as a whole in the country, because we're trying to replicate that amongst all the other plantations, not only sugarcane, but also Guatemala is a big coffee producer. It's one of the top coffees in the world. They do a lot of other things like lettuces, and radishes. It's being exported out of Guatemala. There's a lot of corn that is being exported out of Guatemala to Europe as well. So all that uses the same proof of concept in order to get the most out of those resources. But then how the company is measuring that impact, right? In terms of how much money I am saving because I'm implementing this initiative, right? And then... What's my environmental impact after? And, and Colin, with that, so I know in the past, and when you read old business textbooks, you hear, you know, the point of a company is to to maximize shareholder value, and yeah. and you see historically, and this isn't always the case, but a lot of times where a company really would only respond when it hit and hurt their wallet. Now, yeah. with the rise of social media and reviews and expectations of an evolving consumer. That has changed dramatically, and now I kind of want your thoughts on well, how do you, how are we getting companies to evaluate that that triple bottom line with people, mm-hmm. profit, and planet? And you mentioned a little bit, but you know, not only do we, get, how do we get companies to to do it? Because it's a good thing for business and it's win wins. But what are the measures of success of doing good? Sure. Well, you know, as time goes by, you know, a lot of investors are really thinking about environmental risk and how they might affect their portfolios, right? So, you know, global sea levels are rising, you know, we got obviously uh, acceleration process threatening major global cities and so many other risks, right? So, there are some investment firms I can mention about Morgan Stanley, for example, they're creating portfolios 
that they aim to have a positive social and environmental impact. And they've seen the investors play that role in bringing out that change managing for factors related to this climate change and other options on the triple bottom line, like the social aspects. So there are so many factors here, whether you get a reputational index, which is how you measure the company reputation based on their actions, right? And the impact on social media, what's the opinion on the public about that company and how good that company is doing, not only for the communities that they're working with, but also with the environment. But there are so many other factors like if you want to finance a project, there are certain requirements, especially if you're a public company that's out in the stock exchange, right? That now require, right? An ESG audit in the way that you are opting for, for financing for those projects, right? I had a huge client here, which is an electric transportation company. So these guys take all the, uh, the power generated from the hydroelectric and they use these huge wires to transfer the energy from one place to another. As they're building the infrastructure, they have a very strong environmental impact. And they also have to negotiate with the communities in the rural areas to allow them to build those plants, right? These guys needed to have financing for those projects and they did it with a major US bank. Unfortunately for you know, confidentiality reasons, I cannot disclose the names, but the bank was requiring that every quarter there is an audit, right? For ESG aspects related on how are they getting the money to finance the project only if they are meeting those standards on environmental impact and community impact as well. So you see right now, the investment community is really more concerned about where my money is going to and what is going to be done with my money and the impact that has on the planet and the people, right? So it all ties to that reputational index I was mentioning, but it has some certain domino effects in many other aspects of the company. My job in the UN is really to get financial statements from the companies and evaluate how good is the company doing in terms of sustainability alongside with the growth of the company, the economic growth of the company. And what I mean with this is if I have a sustainable development program that has to do with water management, for example, I want to understand how much money are you putting down on that program? How much money were you able to save from one year to another? And how are you doing on that sustainable program performance against your sales? So that way I can understand if your program is really making an impact and I can help the shareholders understand, ladies and gentlemen, yes, your money is being taken care of, but it's not only very well taken care of, it's now performing well in the sense that your company is still profitable, it's still delivering the revenue expectations you need. At the same time, we're not damaging the environment or we're not damaging community relationships, for example, that may risk the company reputation in the long run. So at some point, it's how you close the loop, right? When you start to put the money down in investing in a company, 
the company uses that resource in their day-to-day operation and how do you manage the impact on that resource, right, in order to report it back and make you not only good look good in front of an investor, but also you walk the chalk. Otherwise, you should be greenwashing or something else, right? And you don't want it. Yeah, and I feel like that's something that we commonly see. Uh, I see some people in these chat forums talk about you see a company that's just trying to check a box and, and, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of greenwashing going on, but it does seem like to me that it's encouraging that the banks and different aspects of insurance, I'm sure as well, are the ones that are financially driving where the market must go from to ingrain that sustainability mindset into the exactly. ideation and the execution of projects. So it seems like that it's good. That's really encouraging because then it's the framework now is that you can no longer do different types of development without having the ESG evaluation audits included within a project. Is that correct? Exactly. That's correct. That's good. And it's, it's starting to become a thing because that way makes it transparent, right? So you really walk the talk. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think it's encouraging to think too of how do we do it to where it's, oh, you know, we have to do this. Oh, bummer. This is more oversight. This stinks, you know, pity on us. But changing that framework to, you know, this is an opportunity to actually, like you talked about earlier, find those different circular economy options and find the ways to not only find ways to save costs by, by reducing our product input by reducing a previously thought about waste by exploring some type of offset that's going to protect these watersheds and forests that's going to prolong the longevity of whatever asset that they're creating or harvesting. So yeah, interesting context and all that. And and it's, it's, it's great to hear that you're kind of in the middle of that and leading those initiatives. So, so thanks for that. And this may be a little bit of a, a change, but just kind of interested in, in some of your background. I know you've done some work with these MIT boot camps, you know, and yes. have some connection. What are those boot camps and you know, like why do they exist? And, and sort of what's the, what's the end goal of these boot camps? Well, you know, MIT launched this MIT bootcamp program a few years ago, and it all started on Boston, right? And now they are doing international uh, versions. Today, with the COVID, then it's an online version, of course. But uh, it, it's really interesting because uh, we are providing, I wouldn't say we, because I, I, I was an alumni. I'm not part of MIT doing this. But MIT is really providing a framework for discipline entrepreneurship, right? And discipline entrepreneurship is really providing the people that it's willing to start a business with the context on what do I need to consider to develop a new product and or a new service, right? From a user perspective. But going beyond that is how are you going to scale that business, right? Because if you really have the million dollar idea, then you have to start planning your product plan and accelerating the business, considering what will be the impact you're going to have on the planet in the long run, right? Based on the raw materials you need, how are you going to manage the waste? How are you going to manage the people into a business model that's profitable? So you see, it's really tying back to what I was saying before, right? 
the framework in MIT is really giving you a 24-step. This, this program was developed by Bill Olette, who's the director of the Martin Trust Entrepreneurship Center at MIT. And he developed these 24 steps when you can validate the business idea and you can develop the product plan that's user-centric, but also it's considering how are you going to scale and how are you going to develop your product plan and scale the business in the long run, considering all these elements that may impact your business and your business model in the long run. So I was part of that program just last year. We took the, the class in Brisbane, Australia, and um, it was this really the experience of a lifetime because we were 90 students from 33 countries. And it's really interesting to see all the different points of view and all the business ideas that are coming from these guys around sustainability, right? MIT was not really focused 100% of sustainable development, sustainable businesses, but it was really nice to see that was, that was becoming a trend on all the participants, right? So there were a lot of water management, food waste, right? Uh, sustainable clothing, and many other initiatives that were leveraging technology in order to create a positive impact, not only with circular economy, but with other business models. So it's, it's really interesting. If you want to check that out, just look it up online. And they're doing two or three of these innovation and entrepreneurship boot camps. And of course, MIT, one of the top universities in the world, it's really becoming something in terms of how are you positioning developing business going on, considering all these important factors. And another job that I have is I'm the national consultant for Guatemala for, as you said, the UN Conference on Trade and Development. So we're trying to investigate what's the private sector contribution, right? To the private companies. How are these companies contributing to the sustainable development goals? And it's really nice to have the opportunity to blend the knowledge from MIT in terms of the, the business thought process applied in the real world and how can you develop a measurement mechanism for the companies to start figuring out what's my environmental impact, what's my social impact, and at the same time that am I really generating the revenue I need to generate for my shareholders, right? So we're putting together a project that has to do with 33 core indicators for sustainable development developed by the UN. And we're testing them in different companies and different industries using this framework. So my job is to evaluate their business model, right? And based on the business model, I do a quick chat on their books, accounting, right? So I have to figure out where the money is going to and what is the result or the performance on a sustainable development program that companies are sponsoring tied to the investments they're doing on that program and how is that changing their business model? So it gives you some perspective, right? Because then you do some tweaks here and there on how to improve the business model to help the company continue being profitable while they adopt best practices on sustainability on their cost structure, on their production processes, and their community relationships. What is, uh, within your work, as you really do a deep dive into all these different companies, what are some commonalities that you see when companies and projects are successful 
And then what are some commonalities you see when companies and projects are not successful and, and end up being a failure? Well, it has to do a lot with the, the, the staff commitment. And it all comes from the board, right? Because usually the way that they have the board is under governance processes, they have committees, right? And those committees are related to ethics, to production, and they may have something related to sustainability. So one of the most successful projects I've seen across the board have really a full staff of really committed people behind them, right? And they're also engaged with civil organizations actively working in sustainability aspects, not only because they want to sponsor the activities these organizations carry on that may or may not directly impact the company operations, but they also look for those organizations for guidance. So sometimes the company, the status quo is, is, is really something that you have to fight on, on when you're implementing this type of, of, of projects, right? So I've seen commitment from the staff. I see the willingness to learn, right, from an external party that's working on the topic and should be able to provide you guidance on how can you start adopting those best practices as well. And then, of course, they have the investments in place. So once you get the board on board, right, then you start budgeting how much money this program is going to cost and what's the long-term cost benefit that I'm going to get when I'm doing this, right? Because at the end of the day, you continue to be a company looking to become profitable, right? So you need to understand, if I'm going to do this, what will be the long-run benefit I'm going to get out of this investment, right? And then is when you start to draft the business model, draft the indicators, and put together a business case for them to understand that sustainability in some cases, right? It's coming to benefit in the long run. You may get a raise on certain costs, but the reputational benefit and the sales you're going to get out of implementing this are really going to compensate the additional investment you're putting into, you know, going into using a different material, into investing a little bit more in community, or even on social aspects on, on sustainable development is really investing in your people, right? And yeah. in professional development programs, occupation and health and safety in your processes, and taking care of the people that's going to take care of you, right? So I, I've seen that commitment, and I've seen the commitment supported by the investment, right? Opposed to the ones that are not that successful, right? It's either they don't know their impact unless you tell them, right? Because I've seen one of the biggest opportunities that I've seen, at least here in Guatemala and the rest of Latin America, is companies don't really know how to implement these type of programs. Not because they don't want to know. Nobody has ever gave them the framework to do so, right? So when I start working with the company, eventually I'm starting in deep into their PLs, into environmental index studies, headcount reporting, and all other reporting that will help me understand how the company is doing and what's the business model, what's their approach to sustainability, what's their concept of sustainability, if they do really understand the concept and map that to a particular SDG, right? 
So people doesn't really know, oh, I'm impacting the SDG 6 for water, or I am impacting SDG 12 for sustainable production and consumption, for example, you know, taking this into the UN jargon, right? So once they understand where are they impacting in terms of, okay, I'm going to focus on this SDG, right? Then I can start thinking about providing projects that really add value and are relevant. Otherwise, it's philanthropy, which is a great thing, right? If you have the money to do so, but it's not really a sustainable development project. You really want to understand at my core of my business model, which SDG I impact the most and propose the projects around that SDG. Then you have to start budgeting those projects in order to understand, okay, what's going to be my cost benefit, right? Out of this investment. And then how I'm going to start implementing this from training the people, getting the right people sometimes, what are going to be the process changes and the change management process I need to implement to make this happen, right? And afterwards, how I'm going to measure that efficiency. So companies that are not succeeding are not taking into consideration all those aspects that I just described. Sometimes mm-hmm. they don't care and there's nothing we can do about it other than just trying to work with their management and help them understand the long-run benefits they may have. And others are willing to do it. They just don't know how. And that's truly someone that you can work with. Yep. And, it, and it's, I like that, that word you mentioned where a lot of times the matter of success and failure falls around change management and a willingness of an organization to embrace, we're not going to stick with the status quo, but we are going to make some challenge, some changes. There might be yeah. some painful evolution, but I think it comes down to the fact that the marketplace and the end consumer has evolved in what they want and what they're willing to pay for. And, and frankly, it's just a matter of embracing the change and you'll see companies that don't change that, that will end up just withering, withering out and, and be a kind of a thing of the past. And I'm sure we'll continue to see some new companies really, really thrive. So interesting to, to see how that's going to unfold and kind of just to, to close this out here, I would love some some final thoughts from you, Colin, on some ideas for partnership or or kind of suggestions to the, the SDG Talks community on what's a final thought from you on something you're maybe happy or excited about and any other thoughts on ways that people might be able to get involved with you or the projects you're working on. Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, we're really open to collaborate. I own a consultant firm and we actively work with the Guatemalan government and the United Nations for this financial aspect and business model aspect on sustainable development. So, uh, of course, I'm more than willing to share some thoughts, share some documents, and obviously walk you through what's our process to start working on with a company and assist that company with that change management process. So yeah, I'm I'm more than willing to help, right? So we're focusing right now on how do we measure, you know, sustainability efforts on companies that are already doing it and how can we close the gaps they may have, right? Or how do we implement a successful sustainability program from a business perspective? in a company that's just starting the journey in sustainability. 
So I'll be more than happy to help you with that. Uh, I have some resources at the UN as well that I can hook up you with. Otherwise, you know, you can just send me a line. Uh, Kevin, I'm pretty sure you have my contact information so you can share it with the folks in the podcast. And of course, you know, anything you guys need, I'm more than willing to help you out with that. As again, I work with performance indicators, sustainability indicators, public-private alliances in Latin America is something else that I can help you guys with in many aspects, right? So we work all the dimensions on the triple bottom line. And being the national consultant for the UN on this aspect gives me some reason. So if I can't help you, I'm certainly no, I know someone that can. So I may be a, a good facilitator for a contact for you as well. Love it. So if, if we need a guy in Guatemala, call Colin is what you're telling me. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Colin, I really appreciate everything you're doing for the SDGs and from within Guatemala, but also giving us some framework to consider internationally around the world. So from the SDG Talks community, we thank you and keep doing all the great work and really look forward to seeing what's next for you. Thank you very much, Kevin. I appreciate you having me here. Thanks for listening to the SDG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from the show. Please share and follow SDG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash in the United Nations community. The goal of the SDG Talks is to bring you good content. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. We look forward to seeing you next time on SDG Talks.